Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. You can have a seat, and as you sit down, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. Well, we do continue to make our way through the book of Hebrews, this grand sermon exalting what this book calls the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we were not able to meet, obviously, due to weather, but we did post an online devotional covering chapter 3 and verses 7 through 12. And if you haven't got to watch that, you might go back and and do so on the church's Facebook page. But please allow me just to give you a brief synopsis of that. In last Sunday's devotional, we discussed the urgency of the moment when it comes to salvation. Quoting from Psalm 95, the writer of Hebrews urges us, Today, if you will hear his voice. Today, if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. The point is, if you know that you're not a Christian, if you know that you have not given your heart to Christ, don't put that off. Because we tend to think that we always have tomorrow to make a decision for the Lord. But the truth for every single person in this room is that one day, tomorrow will not come. And none of us know when that day will be. So we must make the most of today. We must live for Christ right now and not rebel against his lordship over our lives, lest we face his righteous anger and holy wrath and are not allowed to enter his rest, just as the Israelites who rebelled in the wilderness were not allowed to enter the promised land. To those of you this morning who have been putting off making a commitment to Christ, God in his great mercy has allowed you to get this far, But please don't put his great love and his great mercy to the test. Give your heart to Jesus today before it is too late. Now, today we transition from last week's topic of responding to the call of Jesus on our life to this week's topic of staying strong in Jesus once we've made that commitment. How do we do that? How do we stay strong in the faith? Because the truth of the matter is that all of us have a natural tendency to drift away from God. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever noticed that tendency in yourself? No one drifts naturally toward God. No one gets closer to God without intentionality. It requires discipline. And without an intentional effort to be close to Him, we will always be in a slow slide away from Him. It's the same way in our marriages, isn't it? If you don't make an intentional effort to spend time with your spouse, you begin to drift apart. And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. If we're not consistently reading his word, spending time in prayer with him, participating in the life of his church, we will begin to backslide in our faith. And those of us who have been Christians for any length of time can testify to this, can't we? We've seen this dynamic play out in our own hearts. All of us have. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why is it that way? 
Why do we constantly have to fight that drift away from God? Well, the answer is that we have a sin nature. And even though our inner man loves the Lord and desires to serve Him and be close to Him, our outer man, sometimes we call that the flesh, still loves the things of the world. And our flesh drags us away from God. And so for the Christian, there's this constant battle going on between our inner man who loves the Lord and our outer man who still loves the things of the world. Now, as we mature in Christ, that outer man, he gets weaker and he starts losing power over us. But till the day we die, he never completely goes away. He's always there just kind of lingering. So the question then is, how do we stay strong in Jesus? How do we make sure that we're staying close to God even while the world and our flesh are constantly trying to pull us away from him? In today's text, we're going to identify three keys to staying strong in Jesus. And then we'll conclude today with a warning of what could happen if we don't. So let's begin to read our text. And we find the first of these keys in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Here's what it says. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Key number one is this. Key number one is staying strong in Jesus is to beware. That's the verb used in verse 12. Beware, examine your own heart. Examine your own heart. Now, before we get too far down this path, I want to establish something this morning that is important and pertinent to the discussion at hand. One thing in which we believe strongly as Baptists is the security of the believer, or as it is sometimes called, the perseverance of the saints. What that means is that those who have been genuinely saved will be held and kept by God forever. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and listen to this, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Because God holds us in his hand, those who have been genuinely saved will persevere in the faith to the end. Now, they may backslide from time to time. They may stumble, but they will not ultimately fall away. That is what we believe. And that gives us great confidence. And that gives us great hope. And it gives us great security. With that being said, we also find in the Scripture that there is a sense in which we cannot and must not take our salvation for granted. There are some who look at the doctrine of eternal security as a get-out-of-hell-free card. Such ones believe, and oftentimes because of poor preaching and teaching on our part, that they can walk an aisle and say a prayer and get baptized and then proceed to live however they want with no fear of hell because they, quote-unquote, got saved. In reality, that is a very cavalier and dangerous way to live one's life. Because even though the Bible teaches clearly the security of the believer, it also teaches that we should constantly be examining the fruit of our own life to make sure that we are truly in Christ. 
Because the strongest evidence of our salvation is not that we repeated the sinner's prayer or were baptized or even are on the membership role of a church. The strongest evidence of our salvation is that we are living a life of surrendered obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not, we'd better examine our heart and make sure that we've genuinely been converted. And that right there is the point that is being made in verse 12. The writer is speaking to professing Christians. He calls them brethren. These are people who claim Christ. And he says to them there in verse 12, Beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now what's the message in that? We must constantly be in the state of evaluating and examining our own heart. We must be asking ourselves the question, the questions, am I harboring any evil in my heart? Any wickedness, any unconfessed or unrepentant sin against God? Is there unbelief in my heart? Am I actively believing and trusting in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation? Is my hope fully and solely in him? All of us who are Christians should constantly be looking within and asking ourselves these diagnostic type questions. Not doubting our salvation, but verifying our salvation. That our inner heart and our outer life reflect someone who has truly been saved and truly been changed by the gospel. I would ask you today, when is the last time that you examined your own heart? When is the last time that you genuinely asked yourself the question, does the fruit of my life show that I have truly been converted to Jesus Christ? Today, after the service, as Sarah mentioned, we are going to take the Lord's Supper. And one command that Paul gave the Corinthians in conjunction with observing the Lord's Supper was to examine themselves lest they partake of the body and blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner. I would encourage you, examine your heart today. Verify that your faith is fully in Christ. And beware, lest an evil heart of unbelief cause you to depart from the living God. We'll talk more about the consequences of that here in just a few moments. Let's keep reading now. Let's look at verse 13 for the second key to staying strong in Jesus. Verse 13, Paul, or Paul, oh my goodness. The writer of Hebrews is unknown. I tend to think it may be Paul, so that kind of slipped out there. The writer of Hebrews says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here's the second key to staying strong in Jesus. That is to exhort, encourage others in the faith. Now, verse 13 is a complement to verse 12. Not only are we to examine our own heart, but we're to exhort others. And by implication, be exhorted by others. Something that is emphasized throughout the New Testament is that Christianity is a communal faith. Contrary to what some say, our faith in Jesus Christ is not a private matter. It is not a personal matter. 
Our faith is to be lived out within a community of believers known as the local church. And within that community, when it's a healthy community, there is mutual accountability. Brothers and sisters in Christ exhorting, challenging, encouraging one another to stay true to Jesus, to hang in there, to not give up. This is so important because none of us are above needing exhortation. None of us are above needing encouragement and accountability from others. All of us need someone from time to time to either hug our neck or kick our rear end, depending on the circumstance, and maybe sometimes both. Here's the deal. When we engage in Christian community, when we become part of a local church and take part in this mutual exhortation, it carries with it a very crucial spiritual benefit. Verse 13 says this dynamic, it prevents us from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's talk about that for a moment. When we're away from other Christians, when we're away from the life of the church, it's very easy to slowly fall into sin and backslide away from God and not even recognize it. I think that the word deceitfulness in verse 13 is a great word because that's exactly what we do. We deceive ourselves into thinking, I'm okay with God. No, I'm not really involved in the church. I'm not involved in any kind of Christian community right now. I'm not really reading my Bible in any significant way. My prayer life is mediocre. But God and I are okay. And in reality, our heart is being hardened to God little by little, and we don't even see it. We don't even realize it. There's something about gathering with other believers on a regular basis, exhorting others and allowing them to exhort us that keeps our heart soft and pliable toward God. That's just the way that God designed it. We need that Christian community. And by the way, I will never believe that online church is an adequate replacement for that. Now, it's wonderful to have technology to watch a church service online when you're sick or when you're out of town or when the weather's bad or there's one of those pesky worldwide pandemics. And there are a lot of neat ways that we can use technology to study the Bible together and pray for one another and exhort each other daily, as it says in verse 13. Technology can be a wonderful tool. That's undeniable, and I want to be clear, I'm not anti-technology by any means. We need to redeem and use technology for the glory of God. But folks, if we can be here in person to have our neck hugged, to have our rear end kicked, to join voices in song, to be shaped together under the teaching of God's Word, to take communion together as we will do today. There is no replacement for that. I would ask you today, are you putting into practice the principle that we see here in verse 13? Are you exhorting other Christians and allowing them to exhort you? Are you involved in Christian community in a meaningful way? And you say, well, pastor, I'm here almost every Sunday. Praise God. I'm I'm glad that you are. But I would also exhort you. Here's my chance to exhort you. 
and challenge you? Are you part of some kind of smaller group that's studying the Bible together and praying for one another and sharing life with one another? Is there a time, some people put it this way, when you're sitting in circles and not always rows? Do you have Christian friends who have permission to speak into your life and you theirs? If not, I would challenge you. Get involved in a small group. We have a handful of groups that are meeting now. Speak to me or Pastor Bill. We'll get you plugged into one. We all need that loving accountability lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let's keep reading. Verse 14. He says, So we, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now here's the third key to staying strong in Jesus. We must persevere. We must hold on to Christ. How do we know that we've truly become partakers of Christ? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And who's our confidence in? Our confidence is in Jesus. Not in ourselves, in Jesus. To stay strong in Jesus, we've got to cling to him. We've got to hold on to him with everything that we have. We have to keep our eyes focused on him. Now, life in this world, as we all know, will do everything it can to shake our confidence in Jesus, to force us to lose our grip on him. The storms of life come. The winds and waves batter us. Some of you have been battered this last year. But through it all, we must hang on to Jesus for dear life. Through it all, we must never lose our confidence in him. And if we can do that, it proves to ourselves and it proves to a watching world we truly do belong to him. We truly are partakers of him, as it says in verse 14. Because no matter what the devil threw our way, we never betrayed our Savior. We never lost our confidence and our hope in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, persevere in the faith. Don't give up. Don't walk away. And I know it's hard, and I know that sometimes there are unanswered questions, and there are doubts, and sometimes we wonder, is God even still there? But hold fast to Christ, knowing that He holds fast to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's what it says later in this very book. And if we hold on to him steadfast to the end, we will be rewarded with eternal life. So in summary, how do we stay strong in Jesus? Those three things on the screen. We examine our own heart. We exhort others in the faith and allow them to exhort us. And we hold on to Jesus for dear life. Now, very quickly, this passage concludes with a word of warning. What happens if we don't do these things? What happens if we rebel against God? Look at verses 15 through 18. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
Now, these verses that we just read are a carryover from last week. They refer to the children of Israel that Moses led through the wilderness. And if you remember from the online devotional last week, Moses brought them to the very edge of the promised land, but they wouldn't go in because they were afraid of the people of the land. The people were giants. They said, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. Their cities are well fortified. They have huge walls. There's no way that we could ever defeat them. Despite all that the Israelites had seen God do for them, all the miracles he did on their behalf and leading them out of Egypt and through the desert, they still, after all that, didn't believe in God's power. And they were disobedient to his command to take the land. And so God became angry with them and he sentenced them to wander in the wild for 40 years. And all that generation died, the Bible says, their corpses falling in the wilderness. Now, their kids got to go into the promised land eventually, but they themselves did not. Why? Because they rebelled against God in disobedience and in unbelief. That's what it tells us in verses 18 and 19. Now, here's the warning for us. If we don't do the things that we've talked about today, if we don't constantly examine our own heart, if we don't exhort one another and allow others to exhort us, if we don't hold our confidence in Jesus steadfast to the end, there's a real danger that we could end up like these rebellious Israelites, succumbing to disobedience and succumbing to unbelief and tragically, tragically missing out on the promises of God. Specifically, not being allowed to enter his rest, not being allowed to enter heaven. And again, I'm not saying that we can lose our salvation. That's not the issue. I'm saying if we're not doing these things we've talked about today, we may not have genuinely been saved in the first place. And so we need to examine our hearts. As we come to a time of response, Philippians 2 says this. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That verse doesn't mean that we save ourselves, but it does mean that we should be in a constant state of self-evaluation. Is my life bearing the fruit of a person who has been genuinely saved by Jesus Christ? And I can't answer that question for you, and neither can anyone else. That's a matter between you and God. But if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you've never truly been saved, that you do need to give your life to Jesus, then we want to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible teaches we become a Christian by repenting of our sin and believing upon Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to make that commitment to the Lord, if you're ready to admit to God that you're a sinner, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus did die for you and that he rose again, and if you're ready to commit yourself to him, then we want to give you an opportunity to come and publicly surrender your life to Jesus. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a song of response. In fact, I'll go ahead and ask the musicians to go ahead and come on up if they would. And as we sing that song, if you're here today and you need Jesus, I'm going to be standing here at the front of the room. And I would invite you to walk to me, And just say, Josh, I want to become a Christian. Or maybe, Josh, I've thought I was a Christian for a long time, but I'm realizing there's been no fruit of repentance in my life, and I need to get saved. If you're here today and you have any spiritual decision that you need to make, this is your time to do that. You can come and talk to me. I'd be happy to pray with you. 
Also, we are going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And when we take the Lord's Supper, we understand, Sarah touched on this earlier, that we need to make sure our heart is right with God. We need to make sure there's no unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin in our heart that we're holding on to when we observe the body and blood of our Lord. And so I would encourage you to use this time as well. Just where you're at or if you want to come to the altar, do business with God this morning. Get right with Him. And if there's any sin in your heart, confess that and repent of it. Let's stand and let's have our song of response. I'll be here at the front if you need me to pray with you.